welcome to my coaching podcast, Dancing in the Moment, where I chat to people from the world of coaching and psychology about their story, their approach, and their insights about the coaching profession. They're all people I like, respect and admire for the way they show up in the world. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, and welcome to my podcast this week with John McNestry. Um, this podcast forms part of a series where I'm talking to people who've trained as coaches, most of them with barefoot, but not all, um, because I'm, I really love the stories of people who come and train as coaches, the before, the during, the after, and seeing all the many directions in which they travel. John is somebody who came to my attention pretty quickly uh, on the coach training program, although I didn't teach him myself, but uh, something about John's energy, his modesty, his creativity, his humility, his generosity, that really touched me. Um, and he's a man with many creative strings to his bow, who's taken coaching into all sorts of different directions. In fact, as we sat down to speak about this, John said he has a delightful mix of different kinds of work. And that's what we're here to talk about today. So big warm welcome to you, John. Hi, Kim. Thanks. Thanks for having me on this. It's, uh, it's, it's quite exciting to have a to have a go at this podcast and I um yeah I, I think it was something for me where where we did meet quite quite early on in the in the um in the barefoot training and it was you who inspired me to do it in the first place and it was something that was quite magical and um and life-changing for me so um it's it's brilliant to be part of this community and to, to be able to have this this chat with you thank you I remember actually, I remember you coming to the taster morning at the K West all the way from the Northeast. Yes, I remember that. And it was, yeah. um, it was to try and convince myself that, that um, uh, frankly, what I'd heard in the, um, in the case book, um, I first learned about it when I listened to the, the audible version of the, of the case book that I'd read a couple of years before. And I listened to, to you and, and, and Jeff Watts and it was, it was kind of very, I love it when authors read their own books. It's so beautifully authentic. And then to 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 come and to meet somebody who um who 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 is one of these these authors that you've listened to and thought you kind of almost know the person. Yeah. Okay. I, I remember coming to the K West and meeting you and 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 Joe Jones and it was it was lovely. And I think it was it was where I kind of realized that the the whole barefoot the, the whole barefoot course. Um, I've said this before, you're kind of the soul of it. Um, and, and I knew then that, that this was not just the, the course for me, but just from that morning that I was doing the right thing, training to be a professional coach. Thank you. That's, that's really lovely. As you remind me of the uh, recording, the audio book, Jeff did it, Jeff and I did it in separate studios. Uh, and I did half the chapters and he did the other half of the chapters, but he did his first. And Jeff 
Jeff's got a really beautiful voice, sort of, you know, dulcet tones and posher than mine. <laughs> and I listened to Jeff's and then I listened to mine and I was absolutely like squirming at, at my sort of Essex twang <laughs> against Jeff's, but nobody seems to mind it except me. <laughs> no, it, it works. Don't worry about it. <laughs> good. good. Um, so thank you for that. Let's hear about the sort of before um, you came to us as an agile coach. Yeah, yes. So I was, um, I guess I was originally a, a, a software developer years and years ago. And I, I probably I met all of those, um, those stereotypes of um, sitting in a dark room um, in front of a computer and and headphones in so I didn't have to speak to anybody um, and I did that for probably a couple of years and and then I started to um, to realize I couldn't necessarily do very much myself and um, I got into working with um, working with teams and um, in the kind of agile space in the agile world and using scrum and I it, it took me a little while, but I, I kind of started to I started to realize that building technology products was nothing to do with technology. It was mostly to do with people and the way they worked together and the way that their their teams um, were empowered and and kind of felt like they had some purpose and some meaning. And I am. Um, I ended up with this this title in in a lot of the places I worked of agile coach. And it's, I don't know, it kind of almost felt like quite a controversial title to me because um, I think you often, as an agile coach, you went in and people wanted a, they wanted an agile consultant. They wanted somebody who was perhaps more of a, a mentor and would, would tell a little bit. Um, and I probably didn't really know what coaching was, but I was a coach, supposedly. Mm. And that's kind of where some of my interest in what it really meant to be a coach was and to really care about people. And um, I don't think, a, I don't know, I don't think a lot of people come from, um, from a background of being a, a, a techie and genuinely end up wanting to work with people. I think it happens by accident a lot. You get yeah. promoted and you're a team yeah. and suddenly you've got no idea what to do. But I loved it. And I think this, the, the whole agile coach thing and starting to feel like I needed to understand what that word meant is, is what started to lead me towards professional coaching. Yeah. And, and I think uh, the number of agile and scrum coaches who are now training in a more sort of psychological form of coaching is growing by the day. Uh, and it, it sort of supports what we always say at Barefoot that your coaching is not about telling, it's not about skills development, it's not about knowledge, it's not about reading what to do, it's about what's inside you and finding the levers to motivate and inspire other people. So we, it's lovely because we have a whole kind of sub-community at Barefoot now of Agile and Scrum Coaches. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I, I know, I know a few of them. And um, I think that it was something that, well, I mean, suppose Jeff, again, back to the casebook, Jeff Watts. Um, he, he was um, the first, he was the very first one. And I, and when he said, I'm a scrum coach, I didn't know what it was. I said, I'm a scrum master. 
So for people who are listening who still don't know, would you mind just saying, John? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So, I mean, um, Agile um, in the product development and largely in the software development world, um, it's really just a set of principles, um, a set of principles about working in a, perhaps in a more collaborative way, um, empowering teams and delivering things in, in small cycles, in iterations and constantly seeking to, to improve and to inspect and adapt what we do and how we do it. And that's really something that relies on reflection quite heavily. And that's all agile really is. It's a set of yeah. principles about working in a, in a way that, that, that maybe is better than, than some of the other ways that, that people used to build software or maybe still do. Um, but it gets conflated with, with Scrum quite a lot. And Scrum, Scrum's a, a, a framework, a, a, a set of processes, and it's a tool that helps to encourage people to work in this way and to, to do things in small cycles and to collaborate with their customers and to trust and to handle change. And it's such a natural fit with coaching in, in so many ways. Um, and yeah, it can be applied much more widely than, than software development. Um, I'm working with agile, uh, with agile HR and finance teams at times. Yes, yes. Um, great fun. Um, but it all seems to, for me, more, more and more, it comes back to I'll consult on all things agile in, in hopefully in quite a non-directive way, in quite a facilitative way. Um, but I'll always end up doing more and more pure coaching, I suppose, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes real sense. That's such a clear explanation. Thank you. And as you said it, I was thinking it fits, it fits so perfectly with the um, adult learning approach that we take when we're coaching and the reflective cycle. The what happened, you know, so what do I make of that? And now what am I going to do differently as a sort of repeating process? So I can see how they fit together so, so beautifully, actually. I think in, in Scrum, there's a, there's a concept of something called a retrospective, which is the thing that I, I suppose a lot of people may have heard of or, or know about from it. And the, the really, perhaps really shallow way to think about it is we, you know, we, we think about what happened in the last however many weeks and what we'd like to do more of and what we'd like to do less of. And it, it can be quite a formulaic thing for a lot of people, but it really is just an opportunity to, to coach a, a, a team and for, yeah. for a team to reflect on how it has, how it has got to where it has and problems that it might be facing and how it might want to do things a little bit differently and yeah. to come up with some experiments or some hypotheses about what it might do next. Yeah. It's really, really coaching. So a question that's just popped into my head that I've never considered before. Do all Agile and Scrum coaches have to have a background in product development or software development? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think if you if you think about Scrum Masters, there's always a so Scrum Masters would be a um, someone who works with a with a team working in this way, 
and there's often a conversation about whether they should be technical or not or whether they should have a technical background and it always reminds me of the the, the conversation about whether a, a coach should have the the context um, I, I work, you know, I'm coaching people in a law firm who are managing partners. So perhaps I should have been at that level in the same industry. So, you know, as a as an agile coach, am I am I someone who has to have technical experience in in delivering um, delivering software products in in a particular role in one of those teams? And um, I never quite know the answer um, because I think often it will make people feel much safer. To, to trust somebody who has that that credibility yeah but then I'd argue that there's there's other ways to, to to build trust and credibility and that a lot of it is is about people and about teams and about helping people to to be you know to overcome things and to be the best they can be mm-hmm. and I I think that a lot of software product teams would probably massively benefit from some coaching from someone who knows nothing about it um, and I sometimes find the best the best the people I enjoy coaching the most are sometimes people who have nothing to do with my industry because it's all new yeah and also we can't fall back on telling or, or our own experiences we are forced into that position of not knowing and and compassionate curiosity and and seeking to help through questioning so yeah interesting thank you so what what happened next you did the barefoot program you saw the links you realized how it would uh, support you and enrich your agile coaching role how else have you used it um i think i've i've tried to move to do more um more professional coaching um and i I kind of wanted to do some that was outside of the technology world and i think i i probably said that to a lot of people on my course i probably said it is the not knowing and the 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 context free nature of it i kind of thought quite i'd like to do something that's that's away from technology um I'll be honest, that probably hasn't really happened as much as maybe I'd hoped yet. And I think this is something else I've said to, to quite a few new coaches that I've experienced is that you, you have a network of people who know you for something and they know you yeah. for the industry you've worked in. And it can be very tempting to say, well, I'll have completely new sets of people um, who I have no context with. Um, but I found it's really important to kind of lean into my network and and keep working with the working with the people who who know me as as um, this agile person. Um, but go to them and say, um, yeah, I can I can do that bit of that bit of consulting, and I'd, I'd love to. Um, but I also do this. Um, I do professional coaching, and I do group coaching, and I do team coaching. And you know, do you? Do you want me to do a little bit of that while I'm here? Yeah. And it it kind of speaks for itself quite quite quickly. Um, I'll kind of go and I'll spend I'll spend time somewhere and I'll I'll pick up one to one coaching clients and I'll run group coaching workshops and people start to understand what coaching is and they start to believe in it. And it kind of is that I I, I kind of shift from being a a consultant to being a coach throughout mm-hmm. engagement. 
that mm. makes sense as well. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I, I wrote about it, as you know, in uh, the Coach's Survival Guide about the credibility trap, if you like. And I, I think it's, it's either just a slow burn you have to start with your network and where you're known and gradually you move into other networks. Um, or it's uh, achieving credibility by association, by being an associate to a coaching company, because they then have the credibility. And, and that's also something that we're doing with you now, isn't it? You're doing some associate work with Barefoot, particularly as a tutor on the programmes. So I think that will speed the process for you. It's, it's nice to be trusted, isn't it? And um, I, I, I suppose I've been doing the, the, the visual facilitation um, workshops and training for, for Barefoot for a little bit. Um, but I am I'm hugely excited to be, to be part, of the, um, part of the business and personal coaching programme as well. And... It, it does give you credibility, um, but it, it also gives you that, uh, I suppose, that responsibility um, to, do, to do a good job for, for, a, you know, for an organisation that's trusted you. And um, I, I think that maybe that all works together to, to give yeah. you that challenge and to help you grow. Yeah, I think it works really beautifully for both of us, actually. Um, so you just mentioned visual facilitation again. These are terms that are very familiar to us and you have kind of burst onto the barefoot scene on the programme with your sketch noting of all the course notes. Uh, and we've never really seen it before, John, the way that you take these visual notes and now um, we are running courses where you're teaching our tutors and teaching our alumni how to do that. So for the people who are listening who don't know what we're talking about, could you explain that to us as well? Yeah. Please? Thank you. So um, I say visual facilitation and I kind of mean it as, a, a, as an umbrella for a few different techniques for learning or problem solving or teaching. And um, I, I, I sort of picked this up a, a few years ago when I was running training courses and I stood in front of a, a flip chart and I tried to make myself understood and nobody had a clue what I was saying or what I was trying to get across. Or maybe that wasn't quite true, but I thought that. <laughs> I got a huge amount of anxiety from it. And um, I went and I, I, I learned some skills that I thought would help me to produce well laid out and well drawn flip charts and that I'd be able to then do that in a, in a workshop or in a training course or, or anything. Um, but what I instead learned was um, I learned a set of skills around how to collect, lay out um, and organise information in a, it's a, like a visually pleasing way, but it's also in a meaningful way. Um, and that set of skills completely changed the way that, to start with, that I learned. Um, so I, I learn by um, being able to take information in and needing to take the information in, needing to interpret it, and then needing to write back out my version of it. And that's, that's something where um, this comes from um, uh, Sharon Bowman um, and her trumps of learning and writing trumps reading. Um, 
you can look at a slide, you can read something, you can read a piece of um, someone else's notes, and you'll, you'll take in far less than if you are writing something out yourself. And um, I, I started these skills as a, um, often learning and problem solving myself, and I plan my workshops that way. Um, but when I, when I run a workshop with a room or a training course or something, it becomes more about creating things together with the people who are there. And you might have a beautifully designed template or you might have a blank piece of paper and you might be scrawling things on it that people have said in the room that you're collecting. But we're creating something together and then it has more meaning for people. And, and that's something that I, um, I've sort of brought into a lot of my interactions with people. I use it in one-to-one -one coaching as well now. Yeah. And it's teaching it is wonderful because um, I get to see the, I become like a proud parent. I get to see all of the things that everyone yeah. used. And so many of them are straight away much more talented uh, technically than I am. And I, I get to see them produce these amazing, beautiful things. And it makes me grin ear to ear. Totally, it does need to. It's absolutely astonishing. In a day, you take a group of people, many of whom call me in advance and say, I don't know why I'm doing this. I've never been able to draw. I can't draw. I'm terrified. And I say, I promise you, I guarantee you don't need to be able to draw. By the end of this, you'll be producing beautiful images. And every time they do, your teaching of this has transformed the way that we teach the course. It's transformed when we're doing it actually, uh, you know, in rooms, if we can cast our minds back to when we did do that. Uh, the rooms would be covered with beautiful flip charts and images, people capturing in the moment the feedback that the delegates are giving. And it, and it, it still blows people's minds so constantly on our LinkedIn, uh, barefoot LinkedIn page. We get so many compliments on the flip charts that we do. And, and that is all thanks to you and your teaching. And I, all I've done, John, is because I've never had time to come on your course. I just sort of copy in a really rudimentary way the things that other people do. But one day I'm coming on your course, or maybe we'll do just a private one-to-one. -one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be really good. Um, and of course, you sketch noted every chapter of my book, The Coach's Survival Guide, which was uh, such an honour that you did that for me. <clears throat> and actually, you and I have talked about the potential for producing books just in that format actually in the future yeah yeah I, I love doing that um it was it was a strange one I was um I was sitting I don't know if you'll remember I mean I was sitting um reading it on the first day that it had come out because I knew it'd be a good book it was always going to be a really good book wasn't it <laughs> and, uh, I was I was sitting um in the sunshine um um, on the on the seafront where I live uh, looking at a nice lighthouse reading it and I read the first two or three chapters um, and and I thought um, I thought I have so many ideas about what this might mean or what was the, the bit that was really important to me uh, from each of those chapters and I think I think I, I asked you then and there could I could could I sketch it and I'll be honest I didn't realize quite what I was getting myself into 
the the 11 chapters over uh, over 11 weeks yeah but it was it was such a um a, a useful experience for just me just for the book just for my understanding of it and i said this is a book that every new coach get their hands on um and something that that's really really helpful in so many ways and um, but my um my sketches of it seemed to get a lot of interest and a lot of traction and um i think i still have them you know this i still have them on my wall next to me as posters and they um i, I just kind of look up at them sometimes <laughs> there's little nuggets of wisdom looking down at me and it's lovely yeah thank you thank you so much and you uh, framed some of the chapters for me and i have them on my wall of my office and uh actually secret confession here sometimes i look at them to remind myself what i wrote in those chapters because they have just encapsulated the key points thank you um so we've talked about agile we've talked about you moving into more uh, non-agile coaching coach training with barefoot now visual facilitation is there anything else in your delightful mix of things? Delightful mix of things. I really <laughs> like that. I'm going to start saying that to more people. Um, we, we talked briefly before about um, the, um, the coaching skills for, for parents. And um, mm. that I, I came to your um, train the trainer for that uh, a few months back, which was, was a lovely thing to be able to do. Um, at the start of uh, lockdown, yeah. um, something that I'd been looking forward to coming to face to face. And, and instead, I uh, had this kind of weekly um, experience of, of, of coming along and gaining a, a new bit of understanding with a group of a group that we became quite close with. Um, and it was, I suppose, the, 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 the point behind it was the, the skills that we have as coaches, sharing some of them with with parents, which is a ridiculously difficult job being a parent. Um, one we're completely unprepared for, I think right. I'm saying. Um, and, and sharing some skills around, around coaching, um, but also some, some models and some tools to help people to explore their, um, their relationship with their family and as their children and as parents. And that was a, I mean, that was a great, um, I think it was six weeks. Um, it was. And um, since that, um, myself and, um, and uh, another coach I went on the program with, Rachel Lee, um, we've, we've delivered it for a, um, for a client as a, as a set of, again, it was weekly, and maybe it's a strange coincidence, but it was weekly, six weeks, yeah. uh, short sessions. And it became our Friday afternoon. And it was a wonderful way to end the week with yeah. a, a group of people who openly generously and honestly shared and inspiringly wanted to be better parents and members of their families and it's it, it kind of suggested to me that we need to find more ways to make coaching more accessible to more people be that coaching for people who need it which is probably nearly everybody, um, group coaching for people around things that they, they share and they have in common, um, or coaching skills for people to use in other places to kind of spread it wider and wider. And the coaching skills for parents was just such a beautiful example of that. 
and I'm very keen to do a lot more of that. It's a joyful course to teach, isn't it? It, it, it actually just warms my heart every time I teach that. And, and as I, I said many times on the course, having taught it in a number of organisations, the, the other beautiful thing about it is that when people are on a course paid for by their organisation that is just focused on their family life, that gives the organisation such kudos, such loyalty from those people, such respect. But also, I've noticed every time, and the organisations have noticed every time, that the coaching skills that people learn in the context of their family life just, just unconsciously transfer back into the workplace, it, even more effectively than if we go in and teach manager as coach. So it's just a win-win-win-win-win. Absolutely. And yeah. I, I saw that completely. And um, I say I'm, I'm ridiculously keen to find more, more ways and more places to, to, to get that, that experience of coaching skills out to, to leaders and just to anyone in a business and just to find a way for people to, to just experience more coaching. I guess I've become a little bit of a coaching fanatic or groupie or advocate and and i guess maybe that's inevitable when you realize how powerful it is i think i think it is i think it happens you know when i i i did a sort of 10-year retrospective uh piece of research probably about 10 years ago now but but when we've been teaching the course for 10 years um to establish whether the learning had lasted you know we like to think it does but I, and I thought it had but I didn't absolutely know and the results were phenomenal not just that it had lasted and not just that it had kind of spread to people's family lives and um, you know their children and uh, extended areas of their lives but most people had deepened and developed that learning most people hadn't just stopped there um, it's uh, such a really simple, necessary set of skills for self-management. People said they felt calmer, their relationships were better, their home lives were better. Why wouldn't you become an a advocate of that for everybody? Yeah. So we, we, the time goes so quickly when we start talking, John. Um, I'm just interested to hear what, yeah, what next future plans? Um, oh, that's a hard one, isn't it? I, um, I've, I've enjoyed that, that mix of things that I've had. Um, the last the last few months during during lockdown has been has perhaps made that 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 easier and more accessible to um to to me to be able to to work with a slightly broader range of people who I maybe previously would have traveled to see and not been able to do as much of yeah so so coming up with this on the spot um i I wonder for me if the future is is finding the the, the blend between face-to-face -face and remote things, being able to work with a broader range of 
clients around the the country and the world because yeah I've, I've had people come to workshops from other countries that's been wonderful during lockdown um but but finding what that that future looks like what that right mix of seeing people and having that connection with them being able to be be in a room with them and the 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 wider reach of 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 being able to run workshops and training courses and i suppose we've always done one-to-one coaching remotely but doing doing these things not just because we're locked down but because they're more accessible and in some ways they're better for people people can learn and different ways of of helping people to to learn and to grow and what yeah. that looks like i've made that up on the spot so that may make no sense but no it, does, it makes sense I, I i completely agree with you a number of things have happened for us the same things obviously we do we're delivering everything online in a way that we didn't even dare to consider before our main you know, our main business and personal coaching program and it's all the feedback and the experience seems to be exactly the same as it was face to face um also the reach the global reach is so much greater and what's interesting with coaching skills for parents is that uh you were the first cohort to do the train the trainer course online and you have more quickly than any other group gone and uh, piloted it with organizations and i wonder whether that's also to do with the accessibility you haven't got to clear a couple of days for 25 people who work there to all get in the same place i i think there's uh there are wonderful opportunities and one of the things that's happened is we have all quickly had to overcome our tech fear and our Zoom fear and our Teams fear. We've, globally, we've all had to just dive in and do it. So therefore, everybody's kind of familiar now in a way that they weren't before. Yeah, I agree with you. Final question. And again, you know, I'll put you on the spot, but anything that you would like to say to people who are currently training as coaches or embarking on coach training thinking about it um thinking about it um this isn't meant to be a plug but i would listen to your your coach's case book um audible with jeff um because that for me was one of the things that, that uh, i think i said made me me feel like it was probably the right way for me and then the taste of morning for barefoot made me feel that too but um, I think for anyone who's, who's thinking about being a coach, um, it's, it's about being able to realize that you, you care about people and that you want to be in a, in a helping profession. And that was, a, I, I don't know where I got that phrase from. I got the phrase from someone barefooty, I think. <laughs> um, but but uh, I, I think if, if you want to help people and, perhaps you, you you get something from that for yourself as well then then it might be the right place for you for for coaches who are who are training who are going to be new coaches and working out where they need to be um i still consider myself a new coach um and i 
um, I, I often tell people I'm still learning about coaching and I probably always will be. I'm, I'm sure I always will be. And to, to, I suppose, accept that you're not going to walk out of coach training as somebody who, who finds everything really easy and knows everything. And the, the one bit of advice I, I, I have for new coaches and coaching situations is, is just to be curious and, you know, not knowing which tool you should use or exactly how to transform someone's belief in a particular way. Um, just be curious and listen to them and genuinely want to understand what they're trying to tell you. And that, almost always moves things on and helps people to overcome things yeah i really agree with that the beginner's mindset is with you forever and it needs to be yes when when you start to think you know what's in front of you then you default to you know assumptions the role of expert um and, and I honestly, after 30 years, probably still feel a bit anxious and a bit of an imposter every time I sit down for the first time with a new client. And I'm pleased that I do. I think that's lovely that you do. I, um, I hope I still do in, in a few years' time. I, I wish you that. Thank you. John, thank you so much for your generosity, your wisdom, your um, enthusiasm. It's been a real delight. It's been lovely. Thank you very much, Kim.